0: Psychologists actually tell us that holidays can be a very difficult time for people. Loneliness sets in, moments we hope for fall short of our experiences, and for many, our families, honestly, are just plain weird. We have a hard time getting along with each other. And all of this can bring us down, and these things function like a Grinch that steals our joy. Well, God doesn't want that. He wants us to be lifted up, right? He wants us to be filled with joy. So with that in mind, I wanna share with you how we can build a life filled with thanksgiving, a life abounding with joy.
1: Welcome to Entrusted.tv, the beacon of hope and inspiration on your airwaves. Each week, we dive into the message of faith, love, and purpose with Pastor T.K. Anderson, who pastors Compass Church in Monterey County, California. Remember, you can hop on over to entrusted.tv to keep up with the latest messages and content. And this month, when you help support this ministry, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows His Love. We appreciate all of your prayer and support. Now ready your hearts and minds for it's time to learn and be uplifted. Let's journey together with Pastor T.K. Anderson as he speaks on The Grinch Who Stole Thanksgiving.
0: Well, today um, begins the start of a huge week for us. Uh, Family and friends, they're gonna gather from all over the nation to celebrate one of our country's most favorite holidays. Of course, that is uh, Thanksgiving. It's gonna be a time of joy, right? It'll be a time of celebration and enjoyment. Photos are gonna be taken, some stories will be told. Memories will be made, and it will be a wonderful week for most of us. Why? Well, have you ever been at a Thanksgiving meal, and somebody in the family just about ruined the entire moment because they were a Grinch? But it happens every year in homes across America. Someone with a rotten attitude just spoils everything. And it happens in a moment's notice, doesn't it? The atmosphere goes from one of happiness and joy to anger and frustration and deep disappointment. And in that moment, you can cut the air with a knife. But what happens if you're the Grinch? Psychologists actually tell us that holidays can be a very difficult time for people. Loneliness sets in. Moments we hope for fall short of our experiences and... For many, our families, honestly, are just plain weird. We have a hard time getting along with each other. And all of this can bring us down, and these things function like a Grinch that steals our joy. Well, God doesn't want that. He wants us to be lifted up, right? He wants us to be filled with joy. So with that in mind, I want to share with you how we can build a life filled with thanksgiving, a life abounding with joy. You see, the Bible provides for us uh, with a way to kick the Grinch to the curb and therefore find happiness in our hearts and experience joy this holiday season. And so today we're going to look at four ways to help us keep a thankful heart. And the question we're going to answer is, how do I build a life of thanksgiving? And we're going to look at an Old Testament story found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 20. And here's what we can do. The first thing we can do is we can remember the promise of God's provision. Remember the promise of God's provision. Let's pick up the story here in verse 7. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land flowing with streams and pools of water, fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and the hills. It's a land of wheat and barley and grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It's a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is as abundant as the hills. So let's get a little bit of a context of what's going on here in today's story. Uh, Deuteronomy, if you're not aware, is actually the final of five books written by Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the majority of this book is actually comprised by a series of farewell speeches that Moses gives to the nation of Israel. And these speeches actually can be dated all the way back between the months of January and February of 1405 BC, before Jesus, right? The writing of the book takes place exclusively in one location over a period of about 30 days. So what's going on in the passage today? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Moses delivers one of his final messages and he reveals to the nation of Israel four crucial elements related to how they were to have a successful future in this new land. And he is teaching them that the basis to having a successful future in the new land is to develop a life of thanksgiving. And the first step in that process is to remember the promise of God's provision. And if you think about it, it's kind of like that for us too. If you and I want to develop a life of thanksgiving, we need to remember the promise that God has given to us. Lots of promises that God has given, especially promises to provide for us. And this is a foundational truth for a Christian. This is spiritual bedrock for a follower of Christ. Because sometimes it's all we have to stand on when things get tough. See, when we have a grouchy demeanor or an ungrateful perspective in life, it's very difficult or next to impossible to find joy. Have you noticed that in your life? Have you ever noticed that, that happiness and grumpiness don't go together? Kind of reminds me of some other things that don't go together up on the screen. How about this? Ice cream and bacon, they don't go together. That just looks weird. I don't know who sold that, but this next guy, how about pizza at the gym, right? That doesn't make, makes no sense at all. And then my favorite one is this one, bifocals and a nose ring. That just doesn't, (laughs) just don't do that. That just doesn't work. Doesn't make any sense to me. You see, we got to hold on to the promises of God so we're not grumpy because we can be happy and joyful. What does God's word tell us? Philippians chapter 4. And my God will supply every need of yours according to what? His riches in glory. Let me ask you a question. How many riches do you think God has in heaven? What do you think? Yeah, exactly. You can't count. It's impossible. So according to all of that that he has in heaven, he'll supply you all your needs. So do you think he's got enough to supply your needs? What do you think? I think he's got enough to cover a concrete driveway, right? He can figure that one out. And he does that time and again in our life. The psalmist reminds us, I have been young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-five. Again, this is another promise from God. And some may ask, well, how does God provide for his people? And sometimes he does things like he did for me back early in ministry, and he provided that driveway. Other times he does things we don't even see. I like how pastor and author John Piper answers the question. He said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, but you may be aware of three of them. All around you, God is doing something. So what are we learning here? We're learning because of God's promises, we can always be joyful. Friend, never forget that. Some of you need to hear that today. All right, what's the second aspect to developing a life of thanksgiving? Well, it's to resolve to praise God for his provision. Resolve to praise God for his provision. We'll pick it up here in verse 10. Moses gets back here to the children of Israel. He says, now, when you have entered into the land and you have eaten your fill, so they've entered into the land, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So we have to resolve to praise God. And Moses is continuing in his speech by reminding the people of God of how important it is to praise God for his provision in our life. You see, friend, it's one thing to remember his promises during your time of need. But it's another thing to praise him after he has come through. And this next part of the text assumes that the people of God are now in the promised land. They're enjoying the promises mentioned above. And yet, when you get there and begin to enjoy all those benefits that God's providing for you, Moses is telling the people of God to be determined ahead of time, determined in your heart to praise God for it. And I got to tell you, when I read that this week, I I reminded myself that that's a big key in life, to be determined in advance, to decide in advance, be firm in your thoughts about this issue and many other issues that we uh, face as Christians. The time to decide what to do, in many cases, is before you get to the situation, isn't that true? For example, when's the best time to avoid a temptation? Before you get to the temptation, right? In other words, you don't go out to Costco and buy a supersized box of ho-hos and ding-dongs, right? And then put them in your cupboard if you're trying to lose weight, do you? I mean, imagine that, late at night, you're getting kinda hungry, your stomach's rumbling, and you go over to the cupboard, you open it up, and boom, there they are. Is that the moment to decide? No, because you'll fail there. You're going to eat the ding-dongs, we know. The time to decide is before you go to Costco in the first place. Don't buy those. And that's what Moses is getting at. He's, seeing, and he's encouraging the people of God, determine in your heart to praise God before you go into the land of blessing. When God does something special in your life, give thanks and praise him. In fact, that's what we do here every Sunday. Did you know that? That's what we do here every single Sunday. You know, some people who are new to the Christian faith have asked me before, they say, Pastor, why, why do churches always start their services with singing? What is, what's that all about? Why do we do that? Isn't there a different way we can do it? Well, here's the quick answer. We've decided a long time ago in advance to start our services with singing and praising. Why is that? Well, if you think about it, in large part, it's connected all the way back to this verse we just read. And Moses' instructions to the people of God. Think about this. For 3,400 years, God gave Moses uh, this instruction to the people of Israel. And since that time, over that period of time, the people of God have been giving thanks and praising God and worshiping God for all he's done. And that's what we do every Sunday morning. We purpose in our heart to do that. Okay, what have we learned so far? We've learned that on our way to building a life of thanksgiving, thereby kicking the Grinch to the curb, we can remember the promises of God and we can resolve to praise God. What's the third thing we can do? That is to recall the plenty of God's provision. Recall the plenty of God's provision. And so we pick back up here in verse 11. Moses says, but that is the time to be careful. What time? The time when you've now entered into the land of plenty, right? They're in, and he's saying that's the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and thereby disobey his commands and regulations and decrees that I am giving you today. And so Moses kind of changes gears here a little bit on us and he issues a warning to the people of God. you catch that in the text? And You may recall that I mentioned just a few moments ago that there is a very specific reason that God encourages us to remember to praise him. And here it is, ready? When we forget God, we have a tendency to drift away from God. And when we drift away from God, we have a tendency to disobey God. And when we disobey God, we have a tendency to have a miserable life, thereby being a (coughs) Grinch. There's the pattern. It's right in the text for you. And in that condition, that's when we end up being a jerk to those around us. Isn't that true? So much of that is true. Kind of like a guy I read about this week who built the famous Spite House in New York. Here's his story. In the late 1800s, there was a wealthy man who owned a piece of land in an exclusive residential area of New York City. This particular lot presented a very unusual problem. Listen to this. The lot was five feet wide and about 100 feet long. And he couldn't do anything with such an odd-sized lot. And so he decided to sell it to one of the neighbors on either side of him. But when his neighbors said to him they didn't want it, they didn't want to give him anything for it. They said to him, you can't build on it and you can't sell it to anyone. So take our meager offer or leave it empty. Well, the man was so angered by their refusal and their disrespect that he decided to get even. So here's what he did. He hired an architect and a contractor and had a house designed for that weirdly shaped lot. (laughs) It was five feet wide and ran the entire length of the property, 100 feet. And he moved in and he set up his home in this narrow house. Each room was barely wide enough for a single piece of furniture. His hatred for the people on either side of this small lot made him decide to ruin the look of the entire area. Well, the neighbors complained that it was a blight to the neighborhood, but the city planners couldn't find any code forbidding it. And so here this wealthy man moved into it and lived there. Yet in truth, the only one who was really being punished was himself. He moved into a long, narrow little house that held only hate and discomfort. And the house became known throughout the neighborhood as the Spite House. And it stood until 1915 as a monument to one man's anger and hatred towards others. What's the lesson here? I think it's pretty simple. When we're in a season of life when God is blessing us, we need to recall how we got there. Because so many times we, we look around at the blessings and we think we did it. We think that that we amassed all of this and and, and we think that it's because of our effort or or our ingenuity, our creativity. But what this biblical story in Deuteronomy is teaching us today is that without God, nothing that we have in our land of plenty would be there if it wasn't for God and if it wasn't for his hand upon our life. Okay, the fourth and final aspect to building the life of thanksgiving is to recognize the problem of self-reliance recognize the problem of self-reliance. Now this is going to be a little bit longer passage, so we'll get through it here. So hang with me. In verse 12, he says, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, do not become proud. Do not forget that he led you, God led you. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna, and he did all of this to humble you and test you for your own good. Picking up at verse 17, he did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. For God, for he is the one who gives you power to be successful. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Wow. So as Moses concludes this portion of his speech, he leaves the people of God with a very important warning about something we all face. And that is the tendency to claim the credit for what God has done. You know, again, in thinking through this this week, uh, it kind of boils down to the discussion of the difference between uh, arrogance and gratitude. That's kind of what Moses is getting at here. Arrogance says, I did that. And gratitude says, God did that. Or God did that through me. Arrogance is rooted in self-reliance. And that's a problem, friend but gratitude is rooted in God-reliance, and that's the solution. And here's what I've learned over the years. I'll just share with you what I've learned uh, in my personal life. During the times of my life when I focused on being self-reliant more than being God-reliant, for me, the issue of arrogance seems to be more prevalent. Some may say to me, well, so what, big deal? You know, Isn't it good to be self-confident in our world today? Well, here's what I've learned in that state. In the season of arrogance, where it's been, in my life, it's been more of a season of being discontent with life. It's been a time of more unhappiness. Uh, Quite frankly, it's been a time of more emptiness to some degree. And I didn't expect that. I thought with success and with self-confidence, I would have more joy. But it's been the exact opposite. And in verse 19, the Bible tells us that if we forget the Lord and we bow down to other gods, we will be destroyed. Some of you know what I'm talking about here, don't you? Meaning not only do the riches and the material things that we amass in life ultimately get destroyed. I think we all know that. I don't have to go through how that works. But ultimately, everything that we see in our life around us will be destroyed. But in our arrogance, the most valuable thing we possess, and what is that? The personal relationships with the ones you love. That's what gets destroyed along the way too. And again, this hits home to a lot of people today because we deal with this issue. In all of this thing, when we destroy the lives around us, it leads to a season of emptiness. And I've got to tell you, friend, I could put up on the screen story after story, quote after quote after quote, of people in our world who have gained it all, gained everything possible, yet were empty in their soul. You know the stories. That may be for some of you here today. But on the flip side of all of this, what I've discovered, is in this season of gratitude, well, those have been great seasons of great joy. I found happiness. Some of the best times in my life have had nothing to do with material items. I reviewed that this week. Sometimes when I have the least amount of money, I've been the most happy in my life. Is that like that for you too? I don't know how that all works. It has something to do with arrogance and gratitude, doesn't it? Some of the best times of my life had nothing to do with my retirement account, had nothing to do with my bank account, nothing to do with my personal success. But rather, those seasons had everything to do with a heart of gratefulness to God. So here's what I've learned. Ready? Summarizing all this together. What I've learned is this. One of the keys in life is to learn how to have gratitude in times of success. So that success and joy can go hand in hand. Isn't that true? And this was long before Dr. Phil or Oprah figured this out. You see, the Bible got this right 3,400 years ago in the story of Moses and the people of Israel. If you want to experience true happiness and true joy, one way to do that, according to verse 18, is to recognize that God is the one who gives us the power to be successful. He's the one. Okay, let's wrap this up. Today we've learned that in order to kick the Grinch to the curb, we need to develop a life of thanksgiving. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, the best way to develop a life of thanksgiving is to do the four things we looked at today, and here they are. We're to remember the promises of God's provision. Hold on to those promises that God will take care of us. We are to resolve to praise God for His provision. We are to recall the plenty of God's provision, and of course, recognize the problem of self-reliance. And when we put all four of these application points into place, the Bible teaches us that we were gonna be in a much better place to keep our attention more upon God and less than on ourselves. And in that space, in that space, when we're focusing in on the Lord, that relationship with God, we will find true joy, friend. We will find true happiness and true peace, what so many of us are longing for. And so if you're a Christian here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, You can take one of these items here today on the screen and you just circle that, like, I'm gonna work on that this week. Just pick one of them and say, God, help me work on that to remember or resolve, recall or recognize and work on that this week during Thanksgiving. And if you're not a Christian here today, it's gonna again be hard for you to do this because you don't have that relationship started with Christ. And I gotta tell you, you can do that today. Jesus Christ is reaching out to you today. He's speaking to you right now where you sit. The question is, are we listening? Let me close with this final story. Back when the telegraph was the fastest means of long distance communication, there's a story about a young man who applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Answering an ad in the newspaper, he went to the address that was listed, and when he arrived, he entered a large noisy office. In the background, a telegraph clicked away, and a sign on the receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were called to enter into the inner office well the young man completed his form and he sat down with seven other people waiting other applicants and after a few minutes this young man stood up and he crossed the room to the door of the inner office and he walked right in well naturally the other applicants well they perked up they were wondering what was going on why had this man been so bold and they began to mumble among themselves that they hadn't heard any directive yet Well, within a few minutes, the young man emerged from the inner office, escorted by an interviewer, who announced to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming in, but the job has been filled by this young man. Well, the other applicants began to grumble to each other, and one finally spoke up and said, wait a minute, I don't understand, he was the last one to come in, and we never got a chance to be interviewed, and yet he got the job, that's not fair. Well, their employer responded, All the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph had been ticking out the following message in Morse code, if you understand this message, then come right in, the job is yours. (laughs) None of you heard it or understood it, but this young man did, so the job is his. You see, friend, God is constantly reaching out and talking to people each and every day throughout this wonderful world of ours. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, and you can sense it. Some people ask me, well, how do you know when God's speaking to you? And the best way I can describe it is you sense a pull, right? You sense it deep in your bones. Give me a head nod if some of you know what I'm talking about, right? When God's speaking to you, and you know that. And you may be here today. My encouragement to you is to answer that call. Let this beginning of this Thanksgiving week and this holiday season be the time you gave your life over to Jesus Christ, and you start to serve him with your whole heart. And I assure you, all the joy and happiness you're searching for, it'll be found in the person of Christ. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3.20, Jesus is talking and he says, Look, I stand at the door, the door of your life, and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open that door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You see, that's a promise. There have been countless people all throughout history since the time of Christ that have invited Jesus Christ into their life to make him their savior and their Lord. And just like that Morse code story, if you're hearing the voice of Jesus today, I encourage you to open the door and invite him in. How do you do that? You simply pray. You put your faith and your trust in him for salvation. That's all you do. You ask him to forgive you of your sin and you decide to follow him. You know, you and I are gonna share some meals this week with a lot of different people but the most important meal that you will ever share according to Jesus is your time together with him as a savior because he will come into your life and begin to have fellowship with you and I invite you to receive that today as we close in prayer let me pray for us heavenly father we again uh, thank you today for your love we thank you for your word that gives us direction your word that gives us guidance your word that gives us hope, uh, your word that offers forgiveness. And so we thank you for that today. But Lord, I'm also mindful for those who are here in this room today and those who are watching online or other campuses that maybe they haven't started that relationship with you. And today they were compelled to want to do that. Today they sense your spirit calling them and they want to answer the call. They want to open the door and invite you into their life. And so Jesus, would you do that today? In fact, if you're here today and you want to invite Christ into your life to surrender your heart over to him and begin this new journey with him, just pray this prayer right where you sit. Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I invite you to be my savior and to be my Lord. I place my trust in you. I wanna be a Christian. I wanna follow you. Help me, Lord, from this day forward to live for you. And thank you. And Father, wherever that prayer was prayed, whether in this room or one of our venues or those watching online or at a later time, we know that your spirit right now is identifying with those folks and you're letting them know they now are a child of God and their name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for that. Help us, Lord, as a church, as we pray each and every week to come around them and support them and help them to grow in their relationship with you. And we thank you for it all now, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
2: Well, thank you for joining us for today's program. I really hope the message was an encouragement to you. You know, if you're going through a difficult season right now, I want you to know that God, he's right here with you. You're never alone. And as you trust in his wisdom and grace, he'll see you through. If you'd like more information about Entrusted Ministries and the church where I pastor, you can follow us on our YouTube channel at Compass Church, Monterey County. At Compass Church, Monterey County. Or head over to our website at entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv. And for the month of November, if you'd like to help support this ministry for a gift of any amount, we will send you a copy of my newest book entitled, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows His Love. You know, God's been moving in a special way in our radio broadcasts, and many people have been finding Christ as God's word is continually shared. And it's listeners like you who help make this happen. Would you consider helping us to reach more people with this ministry? I really believe the time is short for many, and now is the time to reach more teach more, and continue to lift up the name of Jesus in our country and around our world. Thank you in advance for your support. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for your mercy and grace to be on your people, and help us to continue to trust you in all and every circumstance as we continue to share your love and grace to the
1: world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your support of TV. Go to entrusted.tv today for all of Pastor Anderson's messages, and to support this ministry. Remember, you are entrusted with a purpose. And until next time, stay blessed and keep tuning in to entrusted.tv where you be inspired, be empowered, because you've been entrusted with the gospel.